0: You're listening to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast with Nola Heal. Nola has over 30 years of experience in financial and operations management for companies around the world. As a part-time CFO, she's dedicated to working with businesses of all sizes to create sustainable growth and amplify strategy.
1: Stacey Brown-Randall is a member of the Business Failure Club, a contrarian on how to generate referrals and a supporter of the entrepreneurial dream. Through her programs, she provides a roadmap to take control of your business. Stacey is a three-time entrepreneur, author of the award-winning book, Generating Business Referrals Without Asking, and host of the Roadmap to Grow Your Business podcast. Stacey has taught her no-asking referral generation strategy to hundreds and hundreds of clients and audiences. Her clients include well-known corporations and franchises such as Bank of America, MassMutual, International Minute Press, and Real Living Real Estate. But her focus is on small business owners and solopreneurs like Carol Financial, O'Connor Insurance Associates, HM Properties, Ferris Cook CPA, Carolina Business Coach, and hundreds more. Stacy received her Master's in Organizational Communication and is married with three kids. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you very much for joining us today. You know what it takes to be successful and unsuccessful in business, and a big part, of course, is sales. Now you are helping clients and have published a book that helps to take the guesswork and cringy sales strategies out of the equation. Can you perhaps take us back with some background beyond your bio? What got you started?
2: Yeah, you know, I sometimes think while failure is never fun, It is the teacher of the best lessons if you're open to learning from them. So sometimes you have to make sure your ego doesn't get in the way of your willingness to learn the lessons. But, you know, having to say that I'm a member of the Business Failure Club is definitely not any, it's not a prize, right, to be one that anybody necessarily wants wants to be talking about. Um, but the reality of it is I did, I had an HR consulting firm. I it made it to four years, but it didn't quite make it to the five-year mark. And with that business, I had big name clients. I just didn't do the things I needed to do for sustainability and for scalability. Uh, and that really taught me a lot of lessons. So when that business failed, I decided that after I got over the ego bruising, uh, I decided to, okay, let's take the lessons that I can learn from this. Let's because I knew I was always meant to be an entrepreneur. That was never something I ever questioned. I right. come from a family of entrepreneurs. So for me, it's like you're not the weird black sheep sitting at my family when you're an entrepreneur. Like actually the corporate yes. people are the black sheep sitting at the in my family. So I, um, I knew being an entrepreneur was what I wanted to do, but for a while it was like, what am I going to do? And then I had this business failure and I was like, okay, let's learn some lessons from that. And I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said like teaching others, like how to grow their business in a way that feels comfortable because so many times when we start a business, we pick up other people's thoughts and advice and tactics and strategies. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think the ability to kind of start a business and figure out like how you want to go about growing it and running it, managing it, right, and then scaling it, they're all decisions you get to make as a business owner, which is awesome in and of itself. But when you pick up tactics of, you know, of others when you're getting started, I think the thing we forget to do is pay attention to how they feel. And We pay attention probably like, oh, I don't really enjoy this, but I got to do it because everybody says that I need to. Doesn't necessarily always, isn't the best answer. Isn't always the best case scenario. And so for me, it really came down to, okay, why did my business fail? What lessons did I learn from that? Business development or sales was a big piece of having enough clients, right? Having enough prospects in the pipeline to turn people into clients. So I didn't have those feast or famine months that go up and down. And then figuring out, okay, great. So how am I going to fill the pipeline in a way that A, feels good? Because if it feels Mm. good, you'll keep doing it. Anybody can do anything they hate for a certain length of time. The goal though is is to have things you'll continue to do. And then what will work? Because who cares how good it feels if it's not producing the results? So you need both, right? It needs to feel good and you need to feel confident in it. Plus it actually needs to produce results for you. And, you know, I would look back on that first business and I'd be like, okay, a lot of people are getting referrals in their business. Did I get any referrals? Like it wasn't even something in my first business I even paid attention to. And which is why I had to ask the question, well, I don't know, in four years, did I ever get any referrals? And it turns out, no. There you go. Yeah.
1: It wasn't a natural thing in that business for you.
2: It wasn't. I did. Most of my clients came through networking and I used to call it being in the right place at the right time, Mm -hmm. which is really just code for being in all the places all the time so that opportunities had a chance to happen, which is exhausting. And I'm the mother of three. And so for me, I don't want to sit at rubber chicken dinners every night of the week, networking or doing early morning coffees and not being able to make it to the baseball field for a 4 p.m. game. You know, like there's just all these things that being an entrepreneur was supposed to provide to me. This time Mm -hmm. freedom, this financial freedom, this ability to be the boss and make my own schedule But yet all of the tactics that I had learned about growing my business made me feel like I was back in a nine to five, which really sometimes felt like a nine to eight because of all the evening events or the morning events. And so when I started figuring out, okay, I'm going to start a second business, this is what I'm going to do, but how am I going to grow it? I paid attention to referrals, realized I don't know what I'm doing because obviously I didn't Mm -hmm. get any the first time around. So like everybody else, you know, I like started to research. I went to the all-knowing Google, right? Because does Google ever lie? Right. So I went to to the all-knowing Google and Google's like, hey, all the, all the books, all the trainings, all the articles were like, if you want referrals, just ask for them or be willing to pay a kickback for them or some type of commission for them. And I was like, oh, that just, that doesn't feel good. It doesn't, Feel right. Like, I don't want to ask and always be asking for referrals like that doesn't yeah. feel good to me. And so, I mean, I call asking for referrals as like a cousin to always you know having to cold call like to me it's like they're both miserable things to have to do yeah for many of us it's not comfortable (laughs) it's not but that doesn't mean we can't be successful and I hate the people out there that are like I don't hate the people I hate the message let me say yeah rephrase that I hate the message that people give that say hey if you're not willing to ask for referrals you just have to get over being uncomfortable and there's something wrong with you. Like I can't stand that messaging that comes with the asking advice. Cause it's not true. The reality of it is though people hadn't been taught a different way to generate referrals. So if you didn't want to ask or always be networking to know a ton of people or be gimmicky promotional or pay kickbacks, what you were left with is just, well, hope they happen. And we all know hope's <sighs> not a strategy. And I was like, there's gotta be something in the middle. So in my business, really what I started doing is I just started focusing on, okay, let's just see how I can make referrals happen without doing all those things. And it really was like throwing spaghetti on the wall. And it was purely because I needed to make my second business successful. I never thought that this would be my company Mm. that I would eventually grow. But within my first year with my second business, and I ran a productivity and um, business coaching practice, within my first year i received 112 referrals Ooh, without wow. doing all that gimmicky asking promotional networking all the time things and I thought oh I'm on to something so i very quickly realized that that could be where my business was headed and my clients were asking me hey teach us your referral strategy and so that really kind of started me on the path and we've been doing this now almost a decade nice. and the truth is is most people just never took the time, to, I think, to scientifically unpack what's happening when a referral happens and mm. then build a strategy around the scientific p- parts and pieces of, and some common sense of what's actually happening when referrals are happening and then build a, a strategy, right? A process, a method around that to be able to generate referrals in a way that they're naturally happening. Now you've got a strategy that can turbocharge that. And you can do it in a way that feels good and also produces results.
1: Makes so much sense. So are there businesses that that your techniques work better for or that they don't work for, perhaps?
2: Yeah, so referrals, let me just go ahead and say that referrals can work in any business, mm-hmm. any type of business, any size of business, referrals will always work. What strategy you opt to deploy to generate referrals is going to be more about alignment with the type of business you are. So, whereas there are a lot of like, you know, services as a software, like SaaS type companies, technology-based companies that you will see will deploy like, you know, the Ubers of the world, right. Or Airbnb, you will see them deploy the paying for referrals, mm-hmm. right. Because it is more about the transaction, With those companies, you don't ever talk to anybody at Uber other than your Uber driver, right? But you're not talking to anyone at Uber corporate. You're not talking to anyone at Airbnb other than the host of where you're going to stay. And so- you know, software as a service or the SaaS kind of technology-based companies um, that it's more transactional, you'll see them do compensation. It works in that industry that does not necessarily translate to other industries. So for me, I don't work with technology-based companies. I don't work with retail or hospitality-based companies. And I don't work with online businesses either. And I don't do much in the medical field. I do have like some like, um, health coaches and dietitians and stuff, but I'm not working with like doctors and dentists and things like that. So those are the industries where it really doesn't work. Where I focus is on those that have highly relational businesses, meaning you form a relationship with your clients. Now, Clients aren't the only ones who can refer you. It's just definitely Mm -hmm. one bucket you want to focus on for most people. And so for me, I focus on businesses that are highly relational and they're not transactional because they're building relationships with their clients. So when you think about it, uh, a lot of the businesses that I work with are like financial advisors, attorneys, CPAs, um, interior designers, real estate agents, those that really build relationships with their clients. there's a high degree of trust that has to happen before you're going to you know spend you know 60,000 or 30,000 on an interior designer to redesign your entire home or the architect, right? It's going to redesign your entire home or that financial advisor that you're going to let manage your assets, right and uh, make sure that they're protecting you with your risk. <laughs> so there's a high degree of trust there. And usually you're spending a good amount of money. Like this is not highly transactional. It's not low dollar. Um, And so in that moment, because you're spending a good amount of money with this person and you have to trust them, that creates a level where referrals can really happen if you're following the right strategy that is based on my methodology. So that doesn't mean, I mean, like I have worked with all kinds of companies and had success. But like I worked with a doggy daycare. There's a high degree awesome. of trust for someone who's going to drop their yeah. dog off, right? The, the beloved pet, the family member off at a place and do it every single day. Um, so I've definitely worked in like I have a travel advisor, travel planner I'm working with right now. It's like there's definitely a number of different types of businesses that I work in. But what they all have in common is that it is usually really relationship driven. Trust is a main factor as to why you work with someone or would work with them again or would be willing to refer them. And then of course it's not a, you know, it's not a low dollar type of spend that you're doing. Um, it's typically uh, much more involved.
1: Right. Makes a lot of sense. So have you ever landed up working with a client who in coming in was not quite positioned where they want to be. They landed up, let's for argument's sake, say they're in a very transactional kind of process, Uh, I don't know, preparing tax returns. So they have a feast or famine in that particular example, because it's all around a tax return. And they want to reposition themselves to a new kind of spot. Have you landed up working with them? They don't have clients, They're the right kind of clients. Would referrals work in a situation like that? Or do they need to try and almost reposition themselves first and then start using your techniques?
2: So I think it kind of depends on ultimately how they're running their business. So I think there's a lot of nuance and context to someone in that situation as to what they're doing. Some of it is just how they think of their business. Like I worked with a company that um, redoes the siding and windows on houses. Mm. Highly. Highly transactional business, but they didn't view themselves as highly transactional. They viewed themselves as someone who built relationships with their clients and did amazing work and did all the things they were supposed to do to be like, wow, I haven't worked with a contractor that's this good, right? That they would get that wow response. They had a referable client experience that their clients went through, and then they focused on those relationships. So it is all about the mindset of how you run your business. Um, It sometimes, you know, as a financial advisor, as an attorney, as an interior designer, as a real estate agent, you don't have a choice, but in thinking about this from a relationship perspective because of the high degree of trust that goes into, right, doing business with you. Somebody who is doing something that's more highly transactional, your industry probably says you can get away without having to worry about those relationships because it's volume-based, but there are still those companies that look at themselves as we are volume-based but we look at our clients and we treat our clients differently. So, you know, for the CPA that's only looking at their businesses, like they're crazy busy on the couple of deadlines that happen throughout the year. And it's a feast or famine mode. I think it's about looking at their business differently. And so the place to start there is, is before you can generate referrals, right? You have to understand that you have a referable client experience, So, there are three foundational strategies that I tell all of my clients they have to eventually. Deploy in their business. Nobody deploys all three at the same time or in, even in the same order because we're all starting in a different place. Well, that's good so, to know actually that there is variation too. So tell us about yeah. that, please. Yeah. So the idea is as you think about these three foundational strategies and you think about deploying them, it really depends on where you're starting from. So let's use your tax preparer, right, as our example. If that tax preparer is actually receiving referrals now, but just maybe less than a dozen a year, or maybe just over a dozen referrals a year. Or, you know, I have some people who come to me and they're receiving like two or three referrals a year, right? But if they're receiving more than five referrals in a year, it probably means they have more than five people referring them. At that point, your best strategy to capture the low-hanging fruit in your business before you move on to deploying the other strategies is to look at really getting more referrals from your existing referral sources. So when a business comes to me and they're like, yeah, I'm getting some referrals. I just want to get more. I'm like, "Okay, then we're going to deploy my strategy that's called growth by referrals because we are having referrals. We just want more growth from them. So we're doing growth by referrals and they're following that strategy to identify who their referral sources are. You would be amazed at how many people tell me I know who my referral sources are and then they do the process that I teach to truly identify them. And they're like, I got it all wrong. (laughs) I'm like, I know because we don't operate from data. We operate from anecdotal evidence. So, you know, they'll go through and they'll clearly identify who their existing referral sources are. And then they're also going to create a plan with the right language for how they're going to take care of those referral sources. And the goal there is to generate more referrals from people who have already referred them. Once you've done that strategy, that for most people is the starting point if they have referral sources. And it is the, it's the ability to take somebody from, you know, like a dozen referrals in a year to maybe like 30 or 40 referrals in a year is just nice. taking care of the people who have actually already referred you and probably could refer you more if you would just pay attention to them a little bit differently and use, you know, different language and different messaging and different outreach. And so that's that first strategy I always talk to folks about. Another strategy for folks who come to me and they're like, I don't have any referrals. I don't have any people. I don't have anybody referring me. I have no referral sources. Then we start with what we call potential referral sources. And this is our program that's called how to turn contacts and clients into referring machines. Because the idea here is, is that you don't have any referral sources. We need to create or cultivate new ones. Now, this process takes a little bit longer because you're taking someone who's never referred you, and then you're taking them through a process of how you care about them To get them to eventually refer you. None of that happens in one conversation. And so, you know, for people who don't have referral sources, or they decide, hey, I've got 10 referral sources, but I want 25 referral sources, they will then eventually deploy the referring machine strategy, because they want to take people who aren't referring them and turn them into referral sources. I call like the, the growth by referrals and the referring machines, those two strategies, I call them like hand-to-hand combat, right? Mm-hmm. Because from the idea is that you're gonna identify people and then you're gonna, de- you're gonna de- deploy a, a strategy for that group of people to get right. referrals from them. The third strategy though, is the referable client experience. And that is maybe where your tax preparer would actually start, right? They may have to determine- Am I doing the things that make me referable for my clients? And if that's the case, then they would start with our program that's called Referable Client Experience, and it's truly based on that. Let's make it so that what you deliver for your clients makes you referable. And in addition to that, you know the moments in your client experience where you're more likely to receive referrals, and let's have specific processes and procedures in place for that. All three of these strategies, whether that's your growth by referrals because you want more referrals from your existing referral sources or your potential referral sources through referring machines or building out a referable client experience through all of this, right? When we look at all of this, where somebody starts, though, has a lot to do with what's already happening inside their business, And then that's how we choose our starting point. And that's where we choose to get our greatest amount of leverage. But through all of these strategies, the number one thing I tell folks is what I'm going to teach you is going to be to generate referrals naturally. We won't take advantage of reciprocity and we won't manipulate people through it. So we're going to do this without manipulation. We're going to do this without having to pay for those referrals. There'll be no incentivizing or playing kickbacks. And we're going to do this, of course, without even asking. And we're going to do it leaving all those traditional traditional old school approaches behind and we're going to focus on the relationship we have with our referral sources or our potential referral sources or our clients and then we're going to deploy the right strategies that honors them because they are they're humans right on the other end of this whole process are humans like those are your people and so you've got to do things with respect and honor but it also has to feel good to you so that you'll keep doing it and everything is built around that.
1: That just feels so much more comfortable for the majority (laughs) of people, quite honestly, because I would think most of your clients that you work with are really good at what they do. They may be a consultant of some type or whatever. That's their craft and that's what they're good at. But the challenge is getting sales, and if you do, you can't get sales, you're not in business. We all know that. I mean, you know that. I know that. That, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, without that customer to to start the process, one, you got nothing to do, I mean, you could keep yourself busy, but that's probably you run out of that eventually. But at the other side, you got no income coming in. You, the world works on cash. We need cash, so. To not pay for the for the referral uh, is, is also awesome. What do you find happens to the relationship with your client for in the situation where people are remunerating their client, be it paying, be it incentivizing in some way that's almost got a monetary connotation to it? What happens to the relationship there?
2: Yeah, unfortunately, when you decide to pay for referrals or pay for prospects into your business, you commoditize the relationship Mm. with the person that you're paying. And so I always explain this to folks to think about it this way. The easiest thing to consider is whether or not you should be paying. And I don't think you're paying for referrals. You're basically paying for leads because referrals come with a high level of trust, which is kind of negated when you're just paying money for them. And so here's how I tell folks to think about it. If your client knows that the referral source was paid when they referred that client to you, then you're fine, right? So if the client right. knows, hey, right, Stacy referred, right, you to me and I got paid, right? Like from that perspective, as a client, if I were like, hey, I was referred to Stacy and i was referred by sarah and i know sarah got compensated because I, when i was referred to stacy right like if that's the way it's all disclosed up front and everybody right is in the know then it's no big deal because everybody knows that that's what's happening the problem is is most of the time when you think about how some of these referral like the paid for referral programs kind of create themselves It's never disclosed. It's under the table. It's done as a kickback. It's done as a commission. And you don't know that it's happening. So put yourself in your client's shoes. If your client that was referred to you were to find out that you paid for them to be referred to you, how would they respond? Would they be upset or would they not care? Right. And the reality of it is when I go to somebody and I'm like, hey, I've got this problem. Do you know anybody who can help me solve it? Or if we're in conversation and you're like, I know what your problem is. Here's what you need to do to solve it. Let me recommend somebody. If in that moment. Right. I'm trusting you to recommend me to somebody that you trust. And I don't know that dollars are exchanging hands. Right. You're going to impact how I feel about not only the person I've just hired, but also the person who referred. And so I think it's important people pay attention to how is your client going to respond if they found out they were paid for. And that's what it all comes down to. So like if you can openly tell your clients, yes, you were referred to me and I paid a 10% commission to so-and-so for referring you to me, then you're fine. But if you get like, oh, I don't want them to know that I paid that kickback or I paid that 10% commission, then we have a problem. And that's when I tell folks, you don't have to incentivize. You don't have to compensate. You don't have to pay for referrals to be sent to you. Now, that doesn't mean people won't ask to be compensated. And then you have to make a business owner decision as to whether or not you're going to do it or not. But if you can't have that person, and I always put it on the referral source, right? From time to time, I'll have people say, Hey, I'd love to refer you, but I'd also love to receive commission on it. I'm like, okay, are you willing to tell the person you're referring to me that you're sending to me that you're also being compensated? Because I put the onus on them to disclose that that's what's happening because I think that's where it starts because that yes. impacts the trust. And I think that's the thing people kind of overlook a lot is that, Hey, don't like, if you want to be compensated, you're a business owner, you need to make your own decisions. I don't right now. Mm-hmm. This can be different from affiliate type relationships where it's disclosed up front. You know, we all know when we go to a blog and it says, hey, if you click on a link and buy something, we're going to receive a commission. It's stated. It's disclosed. I know before I click on a link, right? So there's nothing wrong with affiliate relationships, right? Or joint venture partnerships, but there needs to be a disclosure up front before a purchase is made, right? That somebody else is being compensated if you buy, And so there's nothing wrong with that as long as the disclosure is there. What I find in a lot of professional services companies, there's no disclosure happening. It is truly happening under the table. And then you have to decide, are you comfortable with that? And it's not really if you're comfortable with that. It's if your clients found out, would they be comfortable with that? And I think that's how you make that decision.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's where that disclosure is happening after the fact that as the new client coming in, it Just It it gives you that moment of pause and does this feel comfortable to me? And you don't want that that tiny little crack in the relationship that feels a little underhand and people are going to start saying, well, what else is happening here that I am not
2: aware of? It plants a seed of doubt which is the last thing you need, particularly if you're in a type of a business where you need your client to do their part, to be able to make them successful, right? You plant a seed of doubt and all of a sudden they're not going to be doing their part. Like they're not going to be responding to you the way they need to. They're not going to be completing whatever it is you ask them to complete. You know, when people work with me, whether they're in my group coaching experience, or they're just going through one of my online programs, There's work to do and I need them to do it so that we can get them to the success they're ultimately after, right? So it's important that if your clients need to do some work and meet you halfway and whether that's send you documentations or answer questions or actually do anything else for you to help them be successful, the last thing you want is to have a seed of doubt planted,
1: yeah, yeah, no, very, very true. And and that's the majority of our processes, and excluding some of these clients that you do not work with, because it is a very naturally transactional, transactional kind of of process. So now through your various businesses, you must have either seen clients or through your own businesses seen that certain people seem to have um, secrets or techniques that just make them more successful. Can you suggest any that either you've used or that you've seen in your clients that seem to make people successful where others really do seem to struggle?
2: Okay, so there's two things I would say to that. It's such a good question. Um, So the first thing I would say, as it relates to the clients that I see make progress faster There is a piece of organization (laughs) that comes with them. Like they are organized um, to a point to where when they, like from my perspective, when we're pulling the information of who your referral sources are, it's really important that you actually have tracked that information somewhere in your business. I don't care if it's an Excel spreadsheet. It doesn't have to be a CRM, but it's got to be somewhere. You're like, oh yeah, I've tracked this information. I know where to find this information. I teach how to recreate it for businesses that don't have it. It just is a lot easier right? If you're organized, right? And you actually have it. So I think the people who have greater success, number one, there is an organization to it. So if there's parts of your business that are feeling not organized, I highly recommend processes, procedures, organization, cleaning up things, purging things, whatever it is, that definitely will help you implement something new faster because all the gaps in your business won't be tripping you up along the way. So that, but that doesn't mean you have to get organized, You know, you don't need to be perfectly organized before you go and, you know, and try anything new or different. That's not what I mean. But there is just a level of organization people need to pay attention to. The second thing I would say, specific to the work that I do, the people that I see be successful. And I know this is not specific to just my work and the work I do with clients, because I know this when I'm a client of somebody, but the people who will just do what you tell them. Right. At the end of the day, when people come into my programs, whether my group coaching experience is called building a referral business, when people come into that or they're in any of my online programs, I always say I've been doing this for almost a decade. I have worked with thousands of business owners all around the all around the world. I mean, we're in 11 different countries right now. and we have all this success and all these results. I know what I'm talking about. This is not theory. This has been validated. I need you to trust the process. Mm-hmm. And the people who are successful are open to that. They're like, okay, I'm going to put this into place. The thing that they learn is that I'm, I'm a woman of my word. And I don't ask you to do things that are uncomfortable. And when I suggest something in any of my programs, and you're like, that's not me. There's always like three other options. So that you can find what you need that will work for you. And so, but then not executing and not being consistent and not doing it, I can't get you anywhere with that. So the people who like trust the process, trust, and they they come in with that willingness to trust the process. And it's not because I'm telling them to, it's because I'm showing them all the results that other people have had and how long I've been doing this and that this process has been validated and proven to work is that they choose to trust that they trust me and they trust the system, the process that I'm going to teach them. And then they execute on it. Those are the people that have success, right? And some people have success. I would never have anticipated because they really dig into what I teach. Like I had one, it was a B2B um, marketing company and they averaged about 40 referrals a year, which is great. That's a good, healthy number. And I was like, hey, okay, our goal is in your first year, when you go through this process working with me is to double that. I want to get you to 80 referrals in a year, right? So we always have to ask the capacity question. Can you handle 80 referrals in a year? Yeah. Well, she took it and ran with it and she, and she implemented pieces and parts out. She took parts of my strategy and system and put them into other parts in the business. She got 312 referrals in her first year. And she got amazing. It is. And she got 302 referrals, brand new referrals the next year, which was also the COVID year.
0: Oh, awesome. so, There was a lot of
2: who knows what's going to happen, right? When, during 2020 with the COVID yes. year, but she got, she got over 300 referrals two years in a row because she embraced what i was teaching and then she went all in and she had crazy success right? it's like the attorney that i work with that started out with maybe a dozen referrals a year and every year has consistently grown their referrals from 12 a year to 40 to 52 to 60 to 70 and last year got 82 referrals and these are brand new referrals that come in every year because we track this every single year metrics are super important in what i do it's how i know what i teach works so we track our metrics about How many new people are referring you? How many new referrals did you receive? And we do that on a quarterly and then a calendar year basis. Um, And that also allows us to figure out, well, what else isn't working? So if you're getting 80 referrals a year, but you're closing only 20 of them, I'm gonna be like, whoa, we got a problem. We need to increase your closing ratio. There's a strategy that I teach specifically to help you increase closing the number of referred prospects that you have. So we have many strategies based on what we're ultimately seeing, which is why the tracking piece is so important. So, but the tracking piece goes back to people being somewhat organized and then doing what you say. So those would be the two things that I would say that organizational piece or the willingness to get organized in parts of their business. And then of course, just doing what they're told within the program and trusting the process and executing on it. Because the number one thing I always tell my clients is if it's not working, I'm going to dig in with you and figure out why Like we're going to solve it if it's not working. But if you tell me you haven't done it or you started it and then you stopped it for six months, I'm going to be like, that's the issue. You can't say the strategy and system doesn't work because you haven't done your part. And that's really important for success.
1: Absolutely. You can't fix it for you. Unfortunately, in my business, I see that all the time. You know, to me, that system process, just organized. It doesn't have to be a whole ton of systems or processes, but just be organized and be willing to do it. At the end of the day, it's your business. I'm trying to help you. I'm not benefiting from the fact that your business becomes a multi-million dollar business or something, get it done. Put the effort in if you want to go there. If you don't, well, that's also fine. We'll move on to somebody else. So that's pretty awesome. So do you have any other thoughts in closing? Anything we perhaps haven't discussed or something you want to repeat?
2: Yeah. You know, I always tell folks, if you're, if you've listened to our conversation and you're like, yes, my business deserves more referrals and I want to generate those referrals naturally, there's a very important first step you need to take. And that is getting really, really clear on who your referral sources are now. And it's, it's a step that everybody can do. It's a step that I teach for free because I am like so passionate about people understanding, Hey, What does referrals look like in your business? And if it doesn't look the way you want it to look, then let's do something about it. And I can certainly help you with that. But you don't know where to start. You don't know what strategy of those three foundational strategies. You don't know where to start, what to deploy until you know how many referrals are you receiving now and who is actually referring those people to you. So the number one piece of advice I give people is just take some time and follow this three-step process to find out who your referral sources are. You start by listing out your clients. Do at least a full year, but if you're working with me, I'm going to go and tell you I'm going to to want three to four years of data if you've been in business that long. If not, I just want what you have, but if you've been in business more than um, four years, I want you to go back three to four years, and I want you to look at who are your clients, and where did they come from? We're going to identify the source, So you may identify that someone came through a Facebook ad or that they actually worked with you at a company before you started your business, or that maybe they, you know, landed on a blog post that you did from SEO, right? Or maybe they, you met them at a networking event, or maybe they were referred to you. I want you to capture the source of each client. And if they were referred to you, I want you to tell me who referred them. You're going to do this for your clients. And then if you have the information, you're going to also pull it for your prospects who didn't become clients. Mm-hmm. Because they all came from somewhere too, so it's like first step is look at your clients and identify where they came from, their source. Then look at your prospects that didn't become clients, and maybe you can only go back a year for this because you don't have data further back. But look at the last year of the prospects who came into your business. Where did they come from? Who did who referred them to you? Right. And then from there, you're going to sort that list by who are your referral sources. That's going to tell you in an instant. Wow. I've had 50 clients over the last two years and seven of them were referred to me. And here's the name of my seven referral sources, or maybe your number will be 27. I don't know. But instantly when you know who's been referring you, the question you then ask yourself is, okay, great. Here's who's been referring me. Do I want to do something different to get more referrals? Mm. And do I want to do something different for those people and others to continue to refer me? And that determines that, yes, I want to do something different. I want to get referrals naturally. I want to take the next step. Because at that point, you know your starting point. Or maybe you'll look at the list and be like, no, I'm good. I don't want to do anything different. Like, that's a valuable exercise to know yes or no. And if the answer is yes, of course, I would love to help anybody who finds himself in that position and wants to do something different. And if your answer is no, that's okay too. That's just as a valuable exercise to know what you're not going to focus on as a business owner.
1: Absolutely. It's, you know, it's really valuable to 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 look again at your data to see what are you doing and potentially doing right and once you're aware of something like that you're naturally going to do more of it so it's amazing how it works if you just once again get organized and (laughs) look at what you've already got in your hands there to see what is working or is not in your business so that is really awesome now, for people to contact you, how do they go about doing that to to look at your programs as well as just get in contact with you for a further chat if they want?
2: Yeah. So we make everything super transparent so people understand what it looks like to work with me if that's what they want to do. And it's actually all on the homepage of our website. That's the best home base, which is StacyBrownRandall.com. And if you don't land on my website, it's probably more than likely like you misspelled Stacy. So you may have forgotten the E or maybe you misspelled Randall. So but it's StacyBrownRandall.com. That you can click on the programs tab and you can look at the programs that we have available. If you want all the strategies I teach, you're going to want to consider our building a referable business. Or if you just want to start with an online program, we have individual ones that are available as well. But really when you're on the website, I always tell folks, click on that freebie tab because on the freebie tab, it takes you to a page that's broken down to how many years you've been in business. And then we have specific exercises that you can do that will help you start your referral journey for free. One of them is this quiz we have called the Referral Ninja Quiz, and it'll help you determine like where are you in your level of ability to generate referrals naturally. And it's a great starting point because then it'll also tell you based on your results what you need to do if you want to become what we call a referral ninja master. So the quiz is always a great place to start, but there's other freebies on that page broken down if you've been in business less than two years or more than two years. Oh,
1: fantastic. Well, thank you. And I will put the connection on the show notes page so that people can find it if, if they happen to you know, not have a piece of paper at the moment to write it on or something like that. No doubt they will remember anyway, but I'll pop it on the show notes page. So thank you very much for joining us today. This has been such an awesome, enlightening conversation because, I mean, certainly for me, the thought of gathering referrals – without asking for them and being able to focus on business rather than running around trying to find where the next lead is going to come from. And then potentially those leads actually don't work out because it's never very successful when you only have one that you're chasing for whatever reason. It just sounds so much more comfortable. So thanks for joining us. And let's hope there are a lot of our listeners that are going to contact you and, and, As you say, take advantage of the freebies. It would be awesome.
2: Well, thank you for having me. It is always a pleasure and a joy for me to tell people that you don't have to listen to the old advice, the traditional old school advice on referrals. There is a better way. There is a new
0: way and a way that you'll feel comfortable using. So thank you for having me on. The Unlocking Business Growth Podcast is sponsored by Protea Consulting Professional Corporation. We help our clients translate their operating and accounting data into the strategy for business growth they're truly capable of. Subscribe to the Unlocking Business Growth podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify to hear from other companies that have overcome growth challenges. Get a free copy of NOLA's latest book, The 5F Strategy, Bottom Line Growth in Any Economy Without Additional Sales and Marketing and download the financial growth scorecard at proteaconsulting.ca. Work with us to achieve your business potential. To find out if we're a fit for your business, email info at proteaconsulting.ca and follow the Unlocking Business Growth podcast on LinkedIn and Facebook.